What's up, Freedom Church family? We are so glad that you've decided to join us today. Here at Freedom Church, we believe that God's word is crucial to experiencing his true freedom. We pray that you will find hope and that God will speak to you wherever you are through today's message. I want to say happy Father's Day to every father in this place and watching online. Thank you for what you do. You guys are awesome and amazing and we love you so much and I want to go ahead and read the scripture and then we'll have something for you guys really quickly. But in, in Luke chapter 7, the Bible says this. Now, when he concluded all his sayings in the hearings of the people, he entered Capernaum and a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jewish or the Jews to help him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that one for whom he should do this is deserving for he loves our nation and he has built us a synagogue. And Jesus went with them. And when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him saying, Lord, do not trouble yourself for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say one go and he goes and another come and he comes and to my servant do this and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such a great faith not even in Israel. And those who were sent returning to the house found the servant well who had been sick. I want to read really quickly uh, a, a, a little portion of it. When the centurion said, Lord, do not trouble yourself for I am not worthy. You should not enter under my roof. Today I want to preach to you under the theme, in, not under. Um, I want to direct you guys to Luke chapter 7. Uh, we've been talking about um, the series called Building Church. And so how is it that technically God is building his church right now? Um, we talked about previously that it has nothing to do with building structures. It has nothing to do with lighting or or cameras or any of that other stuff that that those are things that come with the territory to expand the kingdom but that is not the church of God the church of God is people common like me and yourself and so God has been taking us through the scriptures on how to learn certain things through the scriptures on how he's building his church how he's planting people in specific and 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 strategic places to grow his church and so um, it, is, it is this story that brings my attention today. I want you to understand what's happening in Luke chapter 7. I read this story in Matthew chapter 8. And when you read the story in Matthew chapter 8, the comparison between Matthew chapter 8 and Luke chapter 7, it is a big comparison. Because while Matthew lets no one know 
that the centurion sent people towards Jesus to get his servant to be healed, Luke introduces us to details that Matthew never said. If we look at Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 8 declares that the centurion went and spoke with Jesus and Jesus said, okay, I'll, I'll go over to your house. The centurion said, no, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't need that. Luke explains what's really going on. And so it might look contradictory to what you're reading at first. Matthew chapter 8, Luke chapter 7, it doesn't make sense. It's immediately kind of confusing to say, wait a minute, Matthew stated that the centurion was the one that spoke. Luke is stating that his friends that he sent were the one that were speaking. I have something to say about that. It, they're both in their rights. It's, it's both correct. The centurion didn't have to go to be able to speak with Jesus. His words were sufficient enough to get Jesus' attention by sending people off and requesting Jesus' presence. Now, there's something that you need to understand about the passage that we have read today. The centurion is a Roman soldier. He is a person with authority, a person that dictates pace, a person that understands his position. He has accolades. He has rewards. He knows what to do, when to do it. He is a protector of Rome. He is a and under Roman empire. He is a soldier of the Roman uh, um, army and he is also over the Jews. The empire of Rome has taken over and has been controlling the Jewish territory for a long time now. And so this is in the minds of the real Jewish people. They're thinking to themselves, is the real Messiah that has been prophesied through the prophets, is he going to overthrow the Roman Empire? Is he going to finally actually do something that is going to flip the script? We talked about this before of saying that there was one time where Jesus stayed silent and the disciples asked him, are you really going to, you're going to restore the kingdom? And Jesus told them, you don't need to worry about that now. They actually was waiting for Jesus to do something powerful and amazing for the Roman Empire to say, we give up. We no longer want to be in control of your territories, of, of what you do, of your money. We no longer want you guys to pay taxes. We want you to be a free country. Yet, one of these soldiers is asking and requesting Jesus' help. I want you to understand, it is, it is almost impossible for you to understand if you don't get the context before we read the story. The Roman soldiers do not ask Jewish people anything. The Roman soldiers do not need anything from these Jewish people, especially a Jewish teacher or a Jewish rabbi. They don't need anything because they command everything. And a centurion was not only a regular soldier in the Roman Empire, he was above about 80 people or 80 soldiers that came from the Roman army. 
He demanded respect. His, his mere presence in, inside of a place demanded respect. He was a man to be feared. He was a man to be respected. When he declared something, when he stated something, it needed to happen at that moment when he declared it. He had the backing of an empire. He had the backing of soldiers. He had the backing of finances. He had the backing of what he needed to do to get the job done. And yet, there's something in the story that captures my attention. There's no need from this man. He's not suffering from financial issues. He's not suffering from power issues. He's not suffering from authority issues. He's not suffering from accolades or certificates. He has a house. He has servants. He has soldiers under him. He has everything you can think of. Yet, there's a need. And, and so the need is particular because if you glimpse over it, you will not understand what's going on here. There's someone that is requesting Jesus' help, not for any type of self-benefit. He's not requesting to get more accolades. He's not requesting to get more authority. He's not requesting Jesus' help so he can be famous. He's not requesting Jesus' help to do anything else for him except heal a servant of his. I start looking at this and I go, wait a minute. This is a man that's above all things in the sense of his authority. He, he does not need to supply his servants with anything. He does not need to help his servants with anything. As a matter of fact, historians say that when a servant of a centurion was sick, they would actually allow him to die because there was no more use or productivity. Yet this centurion is bothered. The centurion is, is moved to do something for his servant. He, he is not looking at his title to go over who, he, who serves him. He's not looking at race or ethnicity. He's not looking at, at age. He's not looking at anything else except for, I need the help of someone. If, if we look at it, uh, um, the, the Bible says that the centurion sends people on his behalf. I want you to understand this. It's not the people that is talking, it's the centurion. The centurion sends his word to Jesus. It's as good as if the centurion was present. The centurion didn't need to be present for his words to be. And so the centurion sends his friend and says, hey, can you please heal my servant? And I, I started understanding something. Our vision as a church must be able to notice when there is suffering and spiritual paralysis. Our mission, if you choose to accept it, uh, is to really have vision not for your life goals but to actually see where the need is at and so 
I, I see a centurion understanding that he has authority. I see a centurion that, that he has the titles and the accolades, but he also has vision. And, and I, I know that I'm talking maybe to fathers today. I, I know that, that you guys are the protectors of your home. But there is moments if we lose our vision, we will not understand where the sickness and the spiritual paralysis is coming from. And the centurion is not one of those people. We need to, as a church, start understanding where the paralysis is at in our communities. We need to start understanding where the paralysis is at in our culture. We need to start understanding where the paralysis is at in our neighborhoods, in our generation. Not taking in consideration gender or ethnicity, considerations of titles. The centurion made an effort to speak to Jesus. Listen to this. I, I want you to understand this because you have to grasp it. He made a, a, a effort to say, I need my servant to be healed. He looked past his title and his importance. And he became a servant of a servant. He realized that there's someone that's sick inside of my house. He realized that there was paralysis inside of his house. That he had titles and he had accolades and he had commands and he had authority, but there was paralysis inside of his house. And, and we, we want to actually make people think that in our lives, we actually have control of everything. We have control of our marriages. We have authority over our children. We have authority over what we do and how we do it. And yet, we never take a look in the inside to see where is something being paralyzed. From the outside in, the centurion is looking very well. He's healthy, he has all the money that he needs, but there's paralysis inside of his home. And so the centurion is noticing, wait a minute, it doesn't really matter that I have everything that I need if someone that I care about is paralyzed. To build a church, you need vision. And I'm not talking about seeing the seats full. I'm not talking about you seeing other things fulfilled in your promises or your, or your goals and your dreams being fulfilled. I'm talking about having real vision for the kingdom. When you actually notice that that person that you talk to, their spirit is not in the right place. And you can possibly, maybe with a hug or a prayer, change their life. But how can you? If your titles blind you. How can you if you're too busy for the kingdom's agenda? How, how can you actually notice that someone is paralyzed inside where you actually work and sleep and, and, and you hang out? And how can you actually see that if you're busy? 
you're paying attention to who you are and not what they are not. How can we actually get somewhere when we're only worrying about what, what has made us and created us and, and what we have achieved and what we've accomplished, yet we're not noticing the lack of the people that have not reached their potential. But as long as I'm okay, everybody else should be. The centurion is doing something different here. He, he is putting aside his titles. He, he is becoming a servant of servants. He is being humble in his approach. And, and I want you to understand this. And, and if, if, you, if you take notes, I want you to write this down. Purpose runs on humility. Purpose runs on humility. Understanding that you don't stop leading your family or anything else by serving others. When you become a servant, it doesn't mean that you're officially off the game of leading. In matter of fact, by serving others, there is a door of opportunity that opens in your life. When you become a servant, there's a door to bless those around you. The centurion notices, my job right now is to command, it's not to command, it's to serve. <laughs> See, we, we need to understand the seasons that God has us in. The centurion says, I always command, but this time I need to serve. My job is not to display authority. It is to submit to authority. This is what the centurion is saying. This is what he's, he's doing right now. He's, he's declaring himself. He's saying, I am not going to accomplish anything as a centurion. I must become a servant. I must be under authority. I must serve. I must try to help because it's not the titles or the accolades that get to change people. It is your heart displayed for others. And the centurion is saying, wait a minute. I, I no longer want to run on my titles. I want to run on purpose. I, I no longer want to, to have the authority and still have people that are afflicted and tormented inside of my house. And this is what we look like as a culture. We got everything we need. We got everything we're looking for. I got it all. I'm good. I'm, I'm chill. My I don't have no problems in my house. Yet, you see that your neighbor is being tormented. You see that there are people that are lost, that, that are blind, that they can't see for themselves. And we don't have the vision or the audacity to move. Because we rather be centurions 
with no servants than be a servant with servants. We'd rather have the accolades and everything that it comes with it than rather sacrificing that to grow the kingdom of God. He realized, I usually depend on my servants going and coming. I, I realize that my role has switched. I realize that my purpose is in helping others. I've realized that I've been bestowed the position that I've been bestowed not to glorify myself, but to help others. I'm in the position to help others. I, I have the qualifications to help others. Let me, let, me, let me explain something to you. You don't need ordination. You don't need a man's word or prayer to help your neighbor. It is already established in the word. And yet there is a whole bunch of churches that are full in the inside, but empty when it comes to their hearts. We see the same situation. Recycled Christians going from one church to another church to another church to another church. And we never actually see the freedom that is actually out there that is needed for those people that need and, and they desire. And I'm not saying if God has a purpose for you inside of a place, then you go ahead and do that. But your job is to rescue others. How many people have you spoken to about Jesus? We've, been, we've gotten so good playing the part, being a centurion. I'm the worship leader. I'm, I preach. Oh, no, I, 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 I'm the video tech guy. No, I do cameras. No, I do this. I do that. I'm a drummer. I love you, Xavier. I, I, I do all these other things, right? But in reality, what are we doing with the kingdom? This, this centurion said, wait a minute, I don't care about my title. I care about my servant. And, and it reminded me of a story of someone that was holy. It reminded me of a story that, that somebody was holy in his whole entirety. And he knew what he needed to do. He said, wait a minute. I got, I got something to say. I need to become a servant of my servants. I need to become humble. I need to humble myself all the way to the extreme so I can receive, so they can receive salvation. Do you think that it was actually easy for Jesus to come down and become human? And actually receive all the types of criticism that he was going to receive from his creation. In reality, this is the reality. He did it because he loved us. And he didn't take his glory or his titles in something where he can grab onto. The Bible says that he let all that go to become a servant of servants. 
The centurion, if you haven't noticed yet, it is a reflection of Jesus Christ. He doesn't need to do it, but he did it anyway. And so, the centurion sends his friends, says, I need you to do something for me. Tell Jesus. Look at the humility already in, in him asking a Jewish rabbi. Somebody that's they don't even get along. He commands all the Jewish people. He's telling him, can you tell Jesus to, to heal my servant? And so they come to, to talk to Jesus and they go, Jesus, you really got to do this, man. This guy is a really good guy. He's helped us build synagogues and everything. Jesus moved. Said, all right, let's go. And here's where things get interesting. The centurion is asking Jesus to heal his servant. He's not asking Jesus how he's going to do it. He's not, he's not asking Jesus what's the plan to do it. He's not asking Jesus, what's the strategic way to go ahead and heal my servant? And I, I got to say this because the, the centurion has the resources. It looks like none of it actually worked. And so he goes and tells Jesus, listen, I need you to come over my house because I actually need my servant to be healed. And Jesus says, should I go inside your house? Luke chapter 7 describes it as him coming towards the centurion's house. And when he was not that far away, the centurion sends another group of friends towards Jesus and says, wait a minute. I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. I'm not worthy for you to make or do the miracle on my behalf. I'm not worthy for you to do it for me. This is a man that all he needed to do was bring him here so he can heal him. Yet his humility opened up the doors for Jesus to arrive. He's telling Jesus, I, 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 I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. Jesus didn't mind coming under his roof, but you got to understand something. The centurions, if, if Jesus would have walked in the centurion's house, it would, Jesus would have been considered contaminated because the centurion was a Gentile. He didn't even have pact with Jesus. He was not part of the promises. And I, I feel like there's people that say, well, I don't know if God has a, a promise for me. I don't know if he has a, a, a something that he's going to do with me because I might not be a preacher. I might not be a worship leader. I might not be a singer. I might not be something that people want me to be. The 
The centurion doesn't care. He's saying, wait a minute, I don't care about that. I don't care if I'm not in the pack. I don't care about if I'm not inside of the promises like the Jewish people. I just know that there's something different about this man. I know that if I bring him and he just says a word, he'll be healed. Listen, I, I want you to get this concept. The centurion is noticing something. Look what it says. Lord, do not trouble yourself. For I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. Right? Therefore, I didn't even think of myself worthy to come to you. Look at the humility in this man's request and how he's speaking to Jesus. Yet we have the audacity when God is telling us to do something, we go, I don't want to do it. But it's God's purpose, God's will. He's trying to talk to you. He's trying to do something brand new inside your life. I don't want to do it. If it's not my way, it's the highway. The centurion can easily say that, but he's not. He's saying, I'm not even worthy to go up to you and speak to you. But look what he says. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. I, I started writing a couple of things down because I, I said, wait a minute. What, this is crazy. Um, he realized I usually depend on my servants going and coming when I say this, but it's going to take me going through my words to get Jesus's attention. This reminds me that there was no sacrifice animal, leader, king, or prophet that was able to restore humanity if not for Jesus Christ. The centurion started noticing my authority has limitations. Listen, look at this. He, he says, all you got to say is the word. I'm not even worthy. He said, he, he's noticing that he only has authority until the empire has bestowed upon him. He tells Jesus, listen, I know what it is to be an authority. Look, look, look at it. For myself, I am a man of authority with soldiers under me. And I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. And I say, my servant, do this, and he does it. Look what he's declaring. I have authority. Yet, this solution, is, this problem is still here. I have authority, but my servant is still sick. I have authority. But my servant is still paralyzed. I have authority, but my life is still not going the way I thought it was going to go. And so listen to this. The centurion is noticing this. His authority can produce up to so much, but not the healing of this man. He concluded, my power doesn't allow me to assist my servant. It is completely out of my control. 
This is where a lot of Christians fail because they feel like if they don't control it, then it is out of their control. And so everything is going to happen that is bad. And so they're going to go, I, I don't have the full control, the capacity to control it. Maybe, just maybe, God put you in that place. If you're losing grip of something, it's okay. Let God deal with it. The centurion says, wait a minute, this is out of my control. He's noticing that he's close to the problem, but distance from the solution. He has his servant next to him, but he has nothing to offer his servant. The Roman Empire in all its glory would not be able to do anything for his servant. All the resources that this man had, all the monetary disposition, he, it became useless in front of a spiritual matter. He couldn't do anything. I, I, I can't do anything. My my words don't mean anything right now my authority doesn't mean anything right now my wisdom my smarts my my street cred everything that i've known and everything that i've learned it doesn't mean anything right now the problem that i'm having is it's over my head it, it's it's like i i completely lost the control This was a man with power and authority. He knew where to go to get something if he needed it. Who to send. He started noticing my words haven't healed anyone ever. Isn't that sad? We have a lot of people in a positions of authority, but there's still a lot of sick people. Isn't it sad to have hundreds of thousands of churches yet we still have sick people we still have paralyzed people spiritually mentally physically people that haven't been healed uh, 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 about other things inside of their minds their hearts physically they haven't been healed and yet we have churches upon churches about churches upon churches yet people continue to be sick he said I, I've never healed a man all this authority and there's still sickness in my household all these accolades and there's still issues in my household all this knowledge and control yet there's no preventing this situation he understood that the authority he needed in his house was Jesus' word Listen to this. He said, if you just say the word. And then he told Jesus, I know what that feels like with common folks. You know what the centurion is declaring here? He's saying, my word ends wherever my vessel stops. If somebody was to kill the vessel that I sent my word in, my word dies. But you, 
your word doesn't die. It, it, it's like if your word will penetrate even the deepest part of the, the most troubling situation. It's, it's like if your word didn't have any type of slowing down. It's like if your word never changed. Even if the situation was hard, your word still remains. And he's telling him, if you just say the word, you know what else he's stating right here? Listen to this. He states, I've had control over all my soldiers, over all my servants, over everything that I do. For some reason, I have no control over this sickness. And he's basically telling Jesus, I, I, I know, I know that your authority, it's over even the people that we see here today. Your authority is so strong that if you tell sickness to go, it has to go. If you tell it to come, it has to come. Your authority is so strong that it, sickness cannot stay where it's at because it follows your word. Your authority is so strong that it commands the seas and the oceans and the winds and the trees he's telling him man man listen listen i know what authority is but this authority right here that's needed for this change i don't have it if we only noticed if we only became humble enough to understand that it doesn't matter how many things you ever accomplish when God needs to be in the center there listen to me there is nothing you can do to change a situation sometimes it requires only God no wisdom will ever change it no ever no authority will ever change it sometimes the situations get so bad that you go man this situation is so bad that if God doesn't get in it I don't know who's gonna fix it no counselor is gonna fix it no program is gonna fix it no amount of money is gonna fix it no government is gonna fix it let me tell you something Biden cool that's awesome there's nothing that's going to be able to fix the world no amount of money no amount of governments no amount of unity between race no amount of anything will ever be able to change it except for the blood of Jesus and he realizes My authority is limited your word is not if you just say the word you, you know why I put the theme inside and not under listen to this the centurion tells him I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof just say the word listen listen the centurion was telling Jesus you can come inside without coming under you don't need 
to come under my roof and under my speculations and under my will and under what I want and under my structure and under my circle and under my themes and theologies. You don't have to come under that to come inside. Your word can come inside without even coming under my roof. And so what he's declaring is that you can be inside or outside, whether, whether east or west, whether north or south, you're everywhere because you're not subjected because of a roof. You're not subjected because of natural disasters or natural situations. You don't have limitations. And I'm telling you this right now. What we need in our generation is for God to come inside and not under what we want. That's what we need. If you want revival, he needs to be inside, not under. If you want your family to be healed, he needs to be inside, not under. If you want to see the miracle, he needs to be inside, not under. Not under. Jesus in the Bible said he marveled so much at the faith of this man that when the people that were sent came back home, the servant was, he was hanging out with the master, just relaxing. I was um I was teaching the staff on Tuesday about how powerful God's word is. And I said that Jesus told the disciples to get, let's go to the other side. The, the disciples go, go on the boat and literally a storm arose and then they panicked as if his word directed or changed or deferred because of the storm. And I told the staff, maybe, just maybe, the boat might be feeling the winds and the water might be coming inside. That still didn't change God's word. And so it might be able to change your faith. It might be able to change who you hang out with, but it won't change his word. His word is firm. It is forever. And, and it stands the test of time. And so if, if you just read that passage you go wow Jesus calmed the storm and the wind but you don't understand one thing here's the thing if they would have got out of the boat they wouldn't see what happened next in the next chapter the Bible says that Jesus stepping on the island a demon possessed man came and he said what is your name my name is Legion because we're many I have something to tell you if you get out of the boat and you let your titles or the waters or anything else defer you from the Word of God, you won't be able to see the many that needs freedom. We need to see the people be free. Enough with what we want, enough what we desire, enough with the water coming inside of your boat and saying, oh no, I, I gotta quit this because the water is getting inside. Let the water come inside. You still got Jesus in your boat. Today, we declare something very simple. 
we acknowledge who God is in our life. Full authoritative power that he has over our life, over every decision that, he, that we make, over all of our families, over everything that we do. He has the full attention of everything that we will continue to do forever and ever and ever. And I'm telling you this right now, if you don't get out of the boat, you will see the people be free. If you allow Jesus to be inside and not under, your house will receive healing. And I'm telling you, it only takes for you to believe and for him to continue to build in our lives. Let, let, just let's stand up and give him a round of uh, applause. Let's give him praise, shout out his name. Let's say thank you for what he's done. Come on, we can do better than that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Right now, lift up your hands. And if you're watching online, just close your eyes and open up your hearts. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today. Thank you because once again, you've revealed to us what is it that you're trying to do with your church thank you for your power thank you for your grace thank you for your correction thank you for everything that you do in our lives the authority belongs to you the authority belongs to you if you would like to learn more about who we are and what we believe at Freedom Church, then make sure you visit our website at freedomchurchfamily.com. You will find it easy to invest in this ministry as well as be a part of our upcoming events. Thank you so much for listening and remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this one. We pray you accept this gift of freedom and share it with someone you know.